0: Linda Pinizzato. She's not your typical realtor. She's your real estate counselor, teacher, and advisor. Whether it's a house, townhome, or condo, when you're ready, she's your negotiator. With 34 years of experience, Linda guarantees that you have the real estate knowledge you need to make the right decisions. Call Linda Pinizzato at Sutton Group Quantum Realty 416-561-7373 or visit her at lindapinazato.com.
1: Hello there. You're listening to Linda Pinazato at The Condo Expert. And we're here at the studio at The Hayes FM. And I've been speaking with Jeff Brewitt, who's a housing and financial consultant, having over 25 years of uh, experience in the entire industry. You know, Jeff, I think at this time, did you want to shout out your email address? If anyone had any questions about the show, they can get a
2: hold of you? Yeah, sure. It's jeff.brewitt, B-R-E-W-I-T-T, at gmail.com.
1: And that is a J-E-F-F. Yes. so many different ways of spelling it. So, there's the
2: British way, but this is, yeah, J-E-F-F. That's it.
1: Dot. Brewitt. R E W I T T at gmail.com. You know, I understand that your your father actually has uh, a lot of um, credits to his name. He wrote the book for Eddie Shack. Yes, I remember the song Eddie Clear Eddie the Shack, Track. Clear the Track. <laughs> actually, that's the
2: subtitle of the book. Oh, is it really? Yeah, it's uh, Clear the Track: The Eddie Shack Story.
1: Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was uh, quite a phenomenon in his age. He's in an amazing his days, guy. Really?
2: Yeah. He's an amazing guy because he's truly he's illiterate. He can't read or write. And he actually, when he signed his autograph, he used to sign his number, 23. So that's what he signs whenever somebody asks for his autograph. But, you know, he's he's been a very successful man. He's been a successful hockey player, obviously, but he's been a successful businessman as well. So, yes, my father wrote his, his, uh, his book, and it was um, in the 90s. It was a uh, bestseller, and he's written seven other books as well. I mean, if you Google him, I think there's about 10,000, you know, uh, hits on him. Oh, isn't that awesome? That's great.
1: Well, you know, I I believe that I'm trying to remember, but I'm almost positive that Eddie Shack owned a piece of land up north of square one. Many, many years ago, I remember this, (laughs) because it used to everybody used to talk about it in my real estate office when I was with Remax at the time. And, uh, and then he sold it, I think it was like a golf place or something. And like I said, though, it was a long time ago, but... Uh, He's an amazing
2: man. He really you is. You
1: know, It's funny, isn't it? Because sometimes you look at hockey players and, you know, my sons play hockey and they play professional. Well, three of them used to play professional. Now, two of them still continue to play professionally. And uh, being involved in that whole circuit many years ago, I actually put a uh, bid together. Did you know that? I put a $70 million bid to build the Mississauga Sports Center many years ago. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was, I wasn't, I, of course, I was an agent at the time, but I didn't, I wasn't submitting the uh, expression of interest as a realtor. I actually created a company called P3 Sports and Entertainment. And it was a $70 million bid. And it was, which is now the Hershey Center. And it was 70 acres of, uh, government land. Well, city-owned land. And what they wanted was a private-public partnership of an expression of interest. To house an OHL franchise and the arena facility was supposed to be 5,000 seated arena. And then there was a a lot of land to, to move forward and, you know, develop other types of things that could be there, whether it be, you know, food courts or an access to go from, uh, where the Hershey Center is across to Iceland on the opposite side of the street and create a, a world renowned venue. And it was quite exciting because I actually, Got a tremendous group of people involved, a gentleman by the name of Mike McGee, who used to be the chairman of the board for a company called Leisure Management International out of Houston, Texas. Hmm. And uh, at that time, Wayne Husenga was a partnership in this company, and Cash America was involved. We ended up having discussions with Orlando Corporation about coming in and building the arena, the whole facility at cost brought in Canadian corporate funding, brought in legal firm called Kaiser Mason Ball. I brought in CIBC. It took me six and a half months to put this whole proposal together. And uh, as far as ownership for the OHL franchise, I had it in writing that Scott Abbott of Trivial Pursuit would be involved in it. And of course, P3 Sports Entertainment would be the company that's going to bring all the beautiful, fantastic venues into the city and uh, run this facility with Leisure Management, who would be the management company. So uh, it was a dream come true. I mean, we had every piece like of the puzzle arranged. And if anybody wants to get the information on it, I can actually, it's a huge presentation, but it's under uh, P3 Sports, P for Pinnazotto, the number three, sports with an S, doc, C-A or .com, and uh, you can get some information on it. But you know what was really fascinating about it? Jeff, because you're in the financial world, that's why I'm talking about this. Next question. Where did all the money come to build this facility, which was a $30 million facility? Do you know where it came from? Mm. The financial template for this proposal for the city of Mississauga was a debt-free facility, Uh win-win situation, Guess what? I created, and that's why Canadian corporate funding were involved, we created where the residents of the city could purchase a share. Hmm. And throughout the entire facility, there would be a star. Say, you know how you have like sections one, two, three, and so on? No, it would be sections A, B, C, and the last name, your name is Brewitt, So the B section, you'd have a star embedded with your name as a shareholder in the facility, The whole template of the financial package meant that not one red cent was going to be asked of the city of Mississauga to build this facility, and it would have been owned as a public company by residents living in the city who could also deed and will their share of the facility.
2: What a great idea.
1: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. No, but it's it my of goes brainchild. Along, it sort of goes
2: <laughs> along the lines of you know Hazel McCallion and how she's sort of you know built City Hall and things you know as being debt free and you know I know that hasn't been the case in the last one or two years, but anyway.
1: Well, you know it's interesting because like the the whole concept of that would have worked. It was amazing, and unfortunately, what had happened was is that there was only three groups that got shortlisted. Uh, Brampton moved forward and they built their facility at the time. Scott ended up owning the Brampton Battalions. Mississauga kind of got left behind on that entire thing. Our proposal didn't uh, get through on the shortlisting, which was insane, because we were the only ones. And it was uh, Macklin Hancock of who was the other gentleman that was involved because it was a dual thing between myself, Linda Pinizzotto, and project planning. And we had every piece of the puzzle, yet it didn't get passed. and then guess what happened? Do you know how it got paid for? City of Mississauga decided they're going to spend $30 million and go build it themselves and turn it into a parks and recreation facility. Hmm. Talk about disappointing. Yeah, I yeah. Wish I had known you back then at that time. That would have been great, because with all of your connections, well, because and, time-wise, that's when it would have been.
2: Yeah, and you think of yes. how the city has exploded since that time. I mean, I was here when the Mississauga derailment happened in 1979, and to look at the city now, I mean, you wouldn't even recognize it. I've had people, uh, we have family friends that live in Utah, and they lived here in the 70s, and um, they moved away in 1975, and they came back and they saw mississauga and they looked at it and said we don't even know this place it's just it's it's not even the same place
1: oh i know we're like what at 800 i think we're in around somewhere you yeah. know 750 eight hundred thousand people now
2: yeah but, and we're a suburb
1: <laughs> well exactly i know yeah. you know and uh but the really cool thing is is that uh you know i mean we're so close to toronto that if you live in the south end of the city you can get on the go and you're downtown toronto in 70 minutes
2: yeah and i think what they've done really well in the city of mississauga is they've got a good mix of business and residential. So you see all the places along the 401, the airport, you know, all the businesses. And, and you know, that square one area, you know, at one time it was just a shopping center and now look at it.
1: Well, yeah, and there it goes back to condominiums, yeah. you know, because uh, I think that the only way that we're going to be hitting that million persons is going to be by the development of condominiums. Because we don't have enough land for There's single family homes. Exactly. So or we can't get little. the numbers in such a small piece of land. So, you know, it's gotta be leading towards, you know, uh, multi residential buildings, which are condominiums and they're gonna bring in the numbers because on one condo, if you have 400 suites, you're roughly looking at about, you know, on an average, anywhere from seven to eight hundred people thereabouts. Yep. So then you could actually get your numbers up and grow the city to the million. Or, or the second suites. That's the other one, isn't it? Yep. You know, because all of a sudden we're doubling up on the uh, single-family residential dwellings by having the basement apartments.
2: Well, we're certainly getting good airplay around the world, too, because the Absolute Building, the Marilyn Monroe Towers, is the number one architectural building in the world. It was announced, you know, about a month or two ago. 400 applicants and this is the most beautiful building in the world according to architects and so there's a lot of focus on the city.
1: Well, and, and it's in the prime location too, because of it being wow. right in the, you know, Thorpe central, 10. you got it in the central heart of the city, really, in the, one of the largest shopping plazas within Mississauga.
2: There was a gas station there for the longest time.
1: <laughs> I would have liked to own that gas station. <laughs> I should have bought it back in 79 when I came to the city. Yeah. <laughs> Actually 76 when it I came. It was a to gas city. station. I know, I yeah. know. Well, you know, it's, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. I think that, uh, you know, we've touched on so many different subjects. And, um, you know, one thing I want to say, you know, it's funny because I know the Hayes right now because we're talking so much about hockey. The Hayes are doing a wonderful job because uh, they're actually the play by play for the Brampton Beast and for the uh, Oshawa, you know, the OHL uh, Junior A team. So I think that that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. You know, it's great. It's It's good to keep the hockey environment in, in families. You know, it really is. Even well, it's if,
2: very Canadian, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> and, you know, and the crazy part about it is, is there's so many Canadian hockey players, but we have such limited professional Canadian hockey teams. That's true. Isn't that something?
2: And it's funny. You know, Alice Munro has been in the news lately who won the Nobel Prize for fiction, right? And she writes short stories. And my father's expertise in his writing short stories about a lot of these hockey players in the prime of the NHL, which was sort of the original six, you know, the Uh 60s and the 70s. And so short stories are a way to go. And they just, you know, I think a lot of people out there, there's so many teams, there's so many players. And it's kind of nice to focus on a simpler time when things used to be you know, simpler. <laughs>
1: oh, for, well, does he still write now then? or Absolutely. Does he, yeah. he really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. I would yeah. love to meet your father. He sounds fascinating. <laughs> Who really. knows? Maybe I'll
2: have him in sometime.
1: Well, there you go. That would be <laughs> ideal. I love to talk hockey too. I love to talk condos. You know that because yes. I like to get the word out there and, uh, you know, information awareness to people. Just quickly, I was at an annual general meeting last night. And, uh, you know, and it was interesting because uh everything went really super smooth. The only thing, there was only one thing that bothered me. You want to know what that was? Right. Is it turned out that this particular building, it, they have some problems getting di- uh, people to put their name forward to be a director. But you want to know why? And we'll talk about this another time, but I kind of hit this real fast. It is because way back when, one of the directors on the board decided not to... They decided, or actually that board decided, that they should have a bylaw in place that's in non-compliance to the Condo Act that would prevent off-site owners from becoming directors on the board. So the only people that can ever put their name in to be on that particular board of directors is people that own in the building and live in the building. So occupants. Occupants. However, if you own in the building, but you don't live on the main floor, you're okay you can still become it. So if you're a main floor owner, you can be off-site and still be on the board. But if you're an off-site owner through the rest of the building, no, you don't qualify for the board. So- (laughs) You can imagine who uh, I'll ask you the question. Who do you think stood up and made a point of that one last night?
2: Limbaugh, Pennazato. Ah, uh, yeah, so smart, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs>
1: so smart. well, it just seems very unfair. Absolutely, it's di- discriminatory. Seems, yeah, absolutely. You yeah. can't do that. It's it's in non-compliance to the Condo Act, and it's not fair to anybody out there. So, on that note, we'll uh, <laughs> we'll move on. But thank you again, Jeff. Uh, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show today.
2: My pleasure to be here.
1: Thank you. So you have a lovely holiday season.
2: You as well and your listeners out there.
1: Thank you. So you've been listening to Linda Pinizzato here at The Condo Expert and I've been speaking with Jeff Brewitt. If you'd like to give uh, Jeff an email, he's at j-e-f-f dot b-r-e-w-i-t-t at gmail dot com. Also want to remind everybody, you know, it's to... Um, register with the Condo Owners Association. Seriously, you've got to get involved. You've got to participate. You certainly have to learn more. Whether you're a condo owner or a member of the general public, it's an important issue. And uh, you can go into coaontario.com. All the information will be there for you. Also, I'd love to hear from you. If you have a story, you want to be a guest on my show, give me an email, Linda at linda. Pinazotto, P-I-N-I-Z-Z-O-T-T-O dot com. You have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Oh, my computer crashed.
1: Oh no, I've got a virus.
0: Oh, no way, no internet connection. Do you need help? Call IT Mayday, 647-977-7113, itmayday.com. Linda Pinizzato, she's not your typical realtor. She's your real estate counselor, teacher, and advisor. Whether it's a house, townhome, or condo, when you're ready, she's your negotiator. With 34 years of experience, Linda guarantees that you have the real estate knowledge you need to make the right decisions. Call Linda Pinizzato at Sutton Group Quantum Realty, 416-561-7373, or visit her at Linda